chocolate. 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 Hey, chocolate lovers. So we're off this week. But for a bonus episode, I have a few clips for you from an interview I did with Simran Bendra of Cocoa Camille. I interviewed him back in November, and we talked a lot about his origin story. Next week's episode on cacao brands will be focused a lot more on the current state of Cocoa Camille and what it's like being a cacao brand competing in this much larger market and how the space has actually become a bit crowded, which we as consumers might not really realize. Here are a few clips that I can't really fit into the episode that dive into dealing with cacao farmers, dealing with the government, and how working at Origin has really shifted 100% his view of what chocolate is. Also, Simran was actually located in Tanzania at Origin while I was doing this interview, so there's about a four-second lag and some of the questions, it sounds like he's talking over me, but he absolutely wasn't. How has working on the raw materials side shifted or broadened your idea of chocolate? Wow, yeah. Um, I saw that question, I just wrote like 100% next to it. <laughs> so much more goes into producing a well-finished, good quality cocoa bean than one would think. And so much more goes into producing a well-finished, good quality chocolate than, than one may think. So, you know, it's so typical of this slow food movement of, you know, knowing where your food comes from. And, and I, before I started this work, chocolate was Kit Kat or a Cadbury's fruit and nut or a Toblerone, you know, something that I never would have thought about the ingredients behind it. And now, you know, whether you're tasting like a Seren bar, which has Ecuador and Tanzania side by side, or you're tasting a dandelion brownie flight. And we can see that the only differences between these two chocolate bars is the origin of the cocoa. And there's such a world of difference in the flavor behind it. It's like, my God, so much more goes into this process than, than one would necessarily think of. So Kamili, the word Kamili means in Swahili, the, trans the best translation is sort of absolute or precise or exact. And we wanted a word that would convey our commitment to sort of precision to, to both sides, right? To our customer base uh, in terms of um, the chocolate makers we sell to, to know that they're going to get a good quality product from us. You know, every time they open a bag of Coca Camille, they know that they'll have a, a quality bag. That's not to say that we don't, we haven't made mistakes and we, and we continue to make mistakes, but building that sort of brand name and brand recognition and knowing that if something does go wrong, we'll work to make it right. And, but that word Camille also commits our, you know, if we wanted a word that would just commit our commitment to precision to chocolate makers, we'd have used a word in English. But Kamili in Swahili is our commitment to the farmers that we source from that we won't mess around with scales. We'll we'll treat them, you know, as precise and exactly and fairly as any business. And that whether you own half an acre of land or a thousand acres of land, you're still running a business. The only difference is scale. Farmers who, who own a half a lake, acre of land should still be treated with the same level of professionalism and you know, accuracy and transparency that a larger commercial farmer would be. In the south of the country, um, it's actually prohibited to, to buy wet cocoa uh, as per local district regulations. And we've never been able to get a good understanding of why this is the case. The, the best we can, it sort of seems to us, is that um, it's it's supposed to reduce the risk of 
um, sort of middlemen screwing over farmers um, by buying wet cocoa. Uh, when we when we came and we traveled around the country when Brian and I were doing our research around the feasibility of the business, we traveled to all the co- all the cocoa growing areas. And when we met with the local government in Kilombero, where we where we're based now, they were in the process of establishing the same set of rules and regulations. Um, we explained what we wanted to do and our business model and how you know it we wouldn't we would have to be buying wet beans. And they agreed to give us a one-year trial to see if, if they were happy with how we did operations before putting in that piece of legislation. And then um, they've been happy ever since and haven't put, haven't put the legislation in place. So what kinds of troubles did, once you had the government on board, what kinds of troubles have you run into trying to buy the wet um, cow from farmers? In the first place sure. and then so, maybe now? Um, in the first place, it was, I don't know if I would describe it as a challenge, but... Um, Convincing, we thought it would be more of a challenge than it was actually, is convincing farmers around our business model that we would be buying wet cocoa instead of dried cocoa, but we'd be paying a higher equivalent price for the wet cocoa. You know, very, very roughly, very back of the envelope, um, 100 kilos of wet cocoa equals, you know, 33 kilos of dried cocoa. And sort of explaining the arithmetic and the maths behind how we determine that sort of conversion ratio and so on, and getting farmers to run experiments themselves to validate the, the conversion ratio. And we expected that we would have to do a lot more farmer education, but initially we focused on some larger, older, well-respected farmers in the area and explaining our business model to them. Um, and, you know, after some time of some experiments that farmers would run themselves, people people came around to the idea pretty quickly. And then, you know, if you see your neighbor who has, you know, maybe five times as much land as you starting to, who's maybe also, you know, 20 years older, more experienced, has as someone you respect, you see that they're starting to sell to this new company a different methodology, you might very well go and ask them, hey, what, what's going on with this company and, and so on. So the fact that we pay so much more to farmers, I think farmers farmers clued in pretty quickly um, and started selling to us. Um, we were quite worried when we were starting the business before we actually began operations that we would get a lot of farmers sort of watering down their cocoa or mixing it to, to try to increase the weight. Um, and that's that's barely barely happened to us at all. Um, farmers now are very clued into sort of what our quality specs are, what we what we require, and abide by them. Okay. Uh, do you think that the cocoa brand market could ever become crowded, like the craft chocolate market is starting to become? Oh, I think the cocoa brand market is far more crowded than the craft chocolate market. I think there's far there's I mean everyone knows there's far too many. Well, everyone. At, who's making trying to make good quality cocoa for the craft chocolate market there's there's way more good quality cocoa being produced out there than craft chocolate makers are able to use yeah i think that there's you know you look at the different i, I mean i don't know of anyone in the industry right now who's like able without any problems to sell all of their volumes every year and able to like sort of survive as a business without any issues uh, yeah i don't i think that in the next couple of years, you're going to see a big reduction in craft chocolate, in craft cocoa brands, as people realize that they can't make it work as a business and, and sort of exit the space. What makes it tough as a cocoa brand versus a chocolate brand? They're completely different industries, but what makes it more difficult, maybe, to brand yourself or access the market? Than I just think there's too market. few craft chocolate makers out there to use all the beans that are available. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily like a branding issue or anything. I think it's just that there, there are way more good quality beans being produced than there is demand for. The craft chocolate industry just 
I think maybe sort of four or five years ago, everyone expected the craft chocolate industry to take off following some of these other specialty food industries in terms of growth. And while growth is definitely happening and it's definitely growing every year by pretty significant amounts and we're seeing new, exciting companies popping up all over the world, I think that's a trend that's going to continue and we hope it continues to grow. But I just, I don't think that there has been the level of growth that everyone expected there to be when they started up their, their brands the last couple of years. 